With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. For those of you just joining us, Happy New Year. Hope it is going to be the best year ever. And if you intend that to be the case, I would assume it might be. Uh, we've got some terrific guests this hour. One of them, Billy Watson, we're going to talk entertainment. And when I talk about entertainment, it doesn't get much better than Ricky Gervais. Now, there has been a, a massive fallout about his new Netflix uh, thing that he's got called Armageddon. Uh, possibly they're trying to make it Armageddon for his career. A guy who is so big, he is basically immune to that. A bit like uh, like Russell Brand and others, I might imagine. When they get too big, there's nothing they can do. The uh, the uh, it, It's out of the box. They can't put them back in. And let's hope that that is the case with Ricky Gervais. And again, if he, he's been okay, he can have a dig at Hollywood even, uh, as long as it's, uh, you know, tongue in cheek. But don't go after their narrative. Don't go after things like mass immigration. The one thing that the duopoly completely agrees on. He had a bit of a joke and it was it was a very short part of the, the entire thing, if you if you ask me, but of course it's been played and played millions and millions of times on social media so that they can offend those who would typically not have been watching Ricky Gervais ever. So if I say something to a limited audience and nobody within that audience is offended, somebody takes that out of context, plays that to the rest of the world, knowing full well that there may be a significant amount of people who who will be offended by it, Well, who has caused the offence, the person who says it or the person who went and took it outside of the normal realm where that would be? I would argue it is the latter. And uh, they do it all the time. So the next time you are offended by something shared with you, maybe take the people or the group who shared it with you. And uh, they're the ones like the ABC. Why anybody would watch the ABC just to be outraged every day is beyond me. And they certainly did outrage people on New Year's Eve, that woke and, um, you know, that word that rhymes with it and, uh, yeah, show. Well, that's exactly how a few people in the media described it. And it was. People just went down there to watch the fireworks. I don't even know if they had a, a drone show down there this year. I don't know if they were on, on a budget. But the, the drone shows are very good. If you haven't seen a drone show, I would absolutely suggest you go and see one. And if you can't see one live and you're not prepared, if, let's say you're in Sydney, to wait for the next Vivid Lights thing, which is prob- probably five or six months away. Um, there's a brilliant one, a world record breaking one on YouTube. Just type in drone show record breaking. It'll come up. It was only a few weeks ago and it was absolutely magnificent and there was nothing woke about it. Yes, I think Sydney could have learned a whole bunch from them last night. But yeah, when it comes to uh, the to uh, Ricky Gervais. We're going to be talking to Billy Watson about him. He's a Scottish awake, certainly not woke, the exact opposite comedian. He's a poet and author, podcaster, and of course, an activist on our side, the side of truth and common sense. We'll be chatting with him shortly. The other person I'll be talking to is Debbie Hayton, is a transgender teacher and journalist, critical of the Stonewall agenda. Now, Debbie got a book coming out on Amazon in February named Transsexual Apostate, My Journey Back to Reality, I think you're going to like Debbie. I've watched a couple of videos, uh, interviews that Debbie did, and Debbie has complete and utter common sense. Debbie, despite the fact um, that was born a male and is now a transgender woman, says there are only two sexes. And in an interview with a male said, I'm a bloke, you're a bloke. 
why are we arguing? And here was this guy who was interviewing her, basically sitting on the fence, trying to appeal to everybody. Well, Debbie's not going to do that. Debbie is fantastic. Debbie also writes, uh, I think, for The Spectator, if my memory serves me correctly, and some terrific articles in there. And I've read a couple of those today, and I'll be bringing those up in the interview with Debbie a little bit later in the program. Of course, you can have your say. You can send us an email, and you do that quite simply by getting on the website. You can click the appropriate link, fill in the boxes, or you can just send me an email, easy, dean at tntradio.live. And for those of you who are still listening and have never watched an episode, well, if you've missed any, of course, you can go to the TNT Radio web, uh, website, click on the episodes page, and you can watch or listen to anything that you've missed. Of course, the video ones will only go back a few weeks because we've only just begun. Hence why we are um, asking you to make it a regular part of your day to tune in and sit back on the lounge with your dinner. And instead of putting on the old woke news why anybody would do that and i would suggest most of you don't it's why you're here but for those of you still doing it or who know somebody that is why don't go sit down have dinner at their place and put on tnt on the t on the perhaps the uh the live stream on youtube you can get us on rumble and other platforms as well and people might wake up if they hear a bit of common sense if you hear it long enough you'll certainly wake up and that is our goal here at TNT. If you've missed your favourite TNT episode, uh, radio show, interview, then simply listen back when you want, wherever you want. Just visit the episodes page on the TNT Radio website. We're also on all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart and TuneIn. So now there's absolutely no reason to miss out on anything here at TNT Radio. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And it is that time of the hour. I'm joined by the wonderful Gemma Cooper. Hey, Gem. Hello, all the way from the UK to you guys in Australia. Yeah, Happy New Year to you once again. What, what's, what's the feeling? What's the vibe over in the UK? Are people hopeful of 2024 or are they expecting an upcoming, possibly a Labour government, is there a, a feel of dread upon them? I don't know. Uh, it's hard to gauge because I, I'm like you, I don't really engage with the mainstream who tries so hard to steer public opinion. Um, and it's difficult because, you know, people are very polarised now. And People here, I think, are very disenfranchised with the political process. And you and I have talked at length about this. I'm one of them. I haven't voted on anything for such a long time. I didn't vote in the Brexit referendum. I could see very clearly from my point of view, this is only my personal standpoint, you know, I thought it was a very much divisive, you know, pick a side, pick a side, you know, the whole thing of setting people against each other. You have to be so careful what you say about anything. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I'm not giving my energy to this system anymore. Because also, I've said this before, you know, you and I are very similar age, and you get to a certain age in life, midlife, and you just think, Oh, life, the way we're taught, it's all wrong. It's all rubbish. And and voting is part of that. And I'm more fond of saying, you know, if it actually changed anything, they'd make it illegal, wouldn't they? They wouldn't let us do it. Um, but they give you your little time at the ballot box to kind of think that you've got this illusion of change and change and hope and change and hope. But you look around at the sort of age of late 40s, early 50s, and you think, well, what's really changed? What's really changed since I was a kid for the people at the bottom, i.e. me, you know, pay my taxes to, to fund things that I don't want to fund and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm a disenfranchised voter. And I think there are a lot of people like that here in the UK. In fact, there was a story last year about a constituency. I think it was in the north of England. I actually did um, mention it here on TNT where it, they're basically nobody's voting. Nobody went out to the ballot box. 
at, at the last local elections and they think that's indicative of what might happen at the general election. It was such a small percentage, 20% or something like that. I think it was in Hull in the north of England. I, that's what's coming back to my memory. Uh, but that's, I think, really where we're heading. But then, of course, you can't not vote and then moan about whichever so-called political party, whichever you know side of the coin they pretend to be on, um, it, what, what they're doing, you can't you can't have it both ways, can you? You can't criticise those in power if you haven't kind of engaged with the process. Yeah, I mean, it's almost unimaginable to those of us here in Australia who, you know, for most of my voting life, it was compulsory. You got a fine if you didn't go. You know, you don't have to register, or you know, they they will come a knocking on the door and invite you to do it. Uh, I know a lot of people who aren't on the electoral roll, so they don't, and they technically don't exist as far as uh, the ballot box is concerned. But um, I would much prefer that here in Australia, that those who wanted to abstain from voting, I would love it if they did. I think I think it's their, A, their prerogative not to vote. Of course, you can rock up and just, you know, write whatever you like on a piece of paper. Um, but the simple fact is, well, why even make them go to the ballot box if they can't be bothered to vote? Or, or like you, are so disillusioned that you just feel, what's the point? And, and it's a pretty valid point, I must say. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest, the best thing we could possibly do is vote for a minor party that has the same sort of belief system and, and policies that we would like. And uh, that'll get them worried. I think it, it'll only take 30% of us that vote to do that. And they would really be running for the hills. I mean, have a look at, at, at Geert Wilders and what's happened with him. I mean, originally he was only getting a handful of votes and people got fed, fed up. And now the right wing, some people would say he's too far right wing. I've been a fan of his for a long time. It wasn't that many years ago. I went that close to getting elected to the Senate Senate with One Nation here behind Brian Burston, who was number one on the ticket. I was number two. And I remember watching a bunch of Geert's uh, videos, like hours and hours worth of them, just the way that he spoke with the media, the utter disdain that he treated them with. And if you don't do that to them, they will use that on you and you're in the back foot. But if you go on the offensive, I just loved him from day one. I thought his interview technique was phenomenal. And it's obviously done wonders for him because there he is now. But um, it's very, very hard to believe in this country that we could ever get, get a government that would advocate for the people. And I'm guessing the vibe is pretty similar over there in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I think really people have have been for such a long time aware and the last three, four years now, four years since 2020, blimey, what change we've seen in people's attitudes towards those in power because it has become so blatantly apparent that once you're in the corridors of Westminster here in the UK, you are so, you might go in with the best of intentions, you know, I think maybe some, I'm holding out some hope that some politicians do, especially have if they haven't been through the elite public school system here in the UK, if you've kind of gone in from a grassroots level, that you go in with the best of intentions. But once you get into the corridors of power, you know, you've got the whips dictating how you should vote. You've got the lobbyists, you've got the corporations, you've got the banks, you've got the schmoozing that goes on behind the scenes. You know, it's very easy to get into that system, the bubble, and, and, and forget about the people that you're representing. And instead you, you, you're looking upwards all the time. Or what does the person above me think? What does, what does the chief whip think? What does the corporate, you know, and then suddenly you forget who voted you in with the, you know, with the expectation that you would represent them. But people now are looking at politics globally and realizing it's an, it's an agenda. There's an elite control system behind all of it. And of course, if you can see people wandering around on the world stage, pontificating and saying, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that, they're probably not the ones really in control. They're the little puppets, aren't they? And the strings are being yes. pulled by such a higher level. Um, and, and everyone gets caught up in the illusion of voting and, and, and what are the politicians saying? What are the politicians doing? Well, they're doing what they're told. And the yeah. people that are telling them what to do, we will never know, really. We think we know WEF, WHO. We think we know 
who's in control of those organizations. But of course, we don't. We really don't. It's all behind the scenes and it's all really shadowy stuff, I think. Um, so that's another reason why I don't kind of engage with it because I think it's all a game. It's all a pantomime behind closed doors. You know, when I was at the BBC, I met a lot of politicians and I saw, you know, that once the cameras are off, they're all slapping each other on the back and all chatting. Yeah. It's just a game. And they all went to school together. It's a game. It's a show. It's a show. It's showbiz. Yeah. And, and you're right, it really is a game, a whole bunch of nested puppets, if you will. And, you know, people say, oh, it's the IMF, it's the United Nations. It goes up above them. I mean, I've got a really good idea who it is, but I I don't think I'd last long on radio if I actually mentioned it. I just say the big boys, the top end of town, I guess, you know, everyone's got their idea of who's probably behind these groups, but certainly they're not advocating for the general well-being of, of us or those who shall come after us. Only a small group, I would imagine, are going to benefit from that. Now, I won't hijack you any longer. Gemma, what news do you bring with you? Well, it's interesting you mentioned the IMF there, actually, because it does bring me on to a story that, well, it hasn't effectively happened yet, but it's due to happen today. And that's, of course, the BRICS group, um, yeah. you know, the Brazil, Russia, India, China uh, alliance that was formed several years ago now. But today, five new member states are expected to be taken in, amalgamated to BRICS, and they're thinking of calling it BRICS Plus is one uh, one kind of name they've <laughs> mooted for it. But but this uh, it's a really strategic power uh not power grab, but uh, expansion of, of this network of countries because Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, we were talking about Iran at the top of the last hour, weren't we, with the Houthis, yep. uh, and Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, so really rich oil-producing nations, are all due to enter the BRICS group today. Um, and it will really expand their kind of base that this group will have three and a half billion people, which is nearly half of the world's population, and a combined economy of nearly $29 trillion, which is nearly 30% of all global wealth. And they will all be producing between them 44% of all crude oil. Now, Russia is taking the presidency of BRICS this year because they swap the presidency every year. There was talk of them forming their own single currency. That was something that was mooted last year, wasn't it? But they're, 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 that's been kind of pushed by the wayside because every country is so different in the way it works with its own you know, uh, financial system that, that it's it's just too complicated to do. But the very fact they were thinking of doing it shows that they are this this organization. It's very young, isn't it? You know, it was only kind of created back in, uh, was it 2009, I think? And they wanted to... Um, they set up their new development bank in 2014. So they, they clearly mean business. Um, and Putin's saying he's going to use his presidency of BRICS this year to really um, increase the role of BRICS in international finance. So there, there's, there's no stopping them. And the fact it's Saudi Arabia, the fact it's UAE, the, the combined wealth of just those two countries shows that this, this is going to really be a juggernaut to be contended with into 2024. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what they do call it as well, whether they, you know, it's always got a ring of LGBTQ plus. I'm not disparaging <laughs> it in any way. I think it's a really good, I think it's quite a good thing because they did say that one of the reasons they were set up was because of a reaction against what they saw as Western dominance in the IMF uh, and, and the World Bank. So you kind of think, well, with the shift that is happening across the world and the way that old systems are crumbling. Um, you know, I think this is, it has got potential to be very positive, especially for poor people around the world and the amount of money that it's lent. By 2022, it's, it had lent nearly 32 billion to emerging and developing nations for roads, bridges, rail, and water. Now you've got to remember how many people in the world live in abject poverty. Um, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And I kind of think, well, let's see where this goes, this BRICS 
plus or whatever they're going to call it after today with these nations taking part. But there's no doubt that their power is growing um, and they are definitely a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, definitely uh, a new world order. Is a, I was talking to Jeremy Nell the other day over in South Africa, and uh, he was very positive, I think, about the, you know South Africa being a part of it. And with these extra countries now joining the uh, financial injection into that, it will be very interesting. And many of those in the West uh, holding on to what few straws they, they still have. Gemma Cooper, thank you very much. And we'll chat again tomorrow here at TNT. See you tomorrow, Dean. Everybody stick around. We're going to be talking to Billy Watson right after this. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around so that's not really taking off the way they want to either and then she said something very interesting she said you know what when the water crisis comes people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water and if you don't have water for a few days at a time you'll know all about it so maybe you know we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a world economic forum type narrative could this be what it is locked and loaded with rick munn on today's news talk tnt radio affordable housing we can build that sustainable housing we can build that at mit modular we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design cost and functionality our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. My next guest is one I'm very much looking forward to. His name is Billy Watson. He is a comedian, a poet, an author, a podcaster, and an activist. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Billy Watson, how are you going? I'm doing very well. It's New Year's morning. It's a bit early for a New Year's show, especially in Scot Scotland, you know, but I've made the effort and got up, so I'm doing well. Mate, thank you. Mate, now, as a comedian and somebody who has just recently watched, of course, Ricky Gervais' latest offering on Netflix called Armageddon, I actually had to uncancel Netflix so I could watch it, and I did. Um, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Ricky Gervais. Mate, I think they've I think they've taken this whole thing and they've just blown it up uh, exponentially. The problem is, do you think it's going to do him more harm than good, or do you think that they're giving him basically a big free ad? Well, basically, the start of his um, new special, he does say that. You know, the last one was talked about and they tried to cancel it, but it was the most successful one on uh, Netflix. 
So all publicity is good publicity, and it's loaded yeah. how many hammer top. <laughs> he's he's a, a very clever man, somebody who came from very humble beginnings, who never saw himself as being uh, a comedian. And wow, I mean, hasn't he flourished? I mean, that him hosting hosting the Oscars, uh, I think it was. What what a brilliant oh, brilliant oh, night Gram- that was. I think it was the Grammys. I think he'd done it the five Grammys. times. Or the Emmys or something like that. It wasn't the Oscars, but yeah, it was quite good. This last one especially was quite controversial and that caused a lot of, you know, when Tom Hanks and that's in the audience and he's talking about pedophiles and stuff. <laughs> so, in, in fact, and, it was some of those crowd reactions and I think Tom Hanks was... But it's funny, when you go back to Tom Hanks' original beginnings when he did movies like, I think, Bachelor Parties, he seemed like a very different character as a young man than what he turned out to be, you know, as an older adult. But this is what Hollywood do. They get people, even um, what they call Mary Sailor starts off as Hannah, somebody, Montana or something. So they get the audience to like a nice, naive, humble person and that character changes over years. And people move with them and they think it's normal, you know, but they've been taken on a ride, basically, from the essential fun character to who they really are, slowly gets revealed. And when they do all these movies, it's like a, there's a character arc with the actor. So the actor has a character arc over different movies, I think, because Hollywood's very, you know, satanic and they've got black magic and they're doing all these kind of things. So, yeah, it's just an image they're playing with, really. But behind the scenes, you know, when the COVID thing started, you know, he was posting really strange pictures and stuff like that. So it's very bizarre, you know, linked to adrenochrome and things like that. And it's like they're toying with us a lot of the time, I think, because they are. Mocking, yeah. mocking us. <laughs> I was going to say, it makes you wonder if they're having a bit of a laugh behind the scenes, and whether it's Hollywood or whether it's uh, you know people like Madonna these days, or or singer Sam Smith, and then you got people yeah. like the the Daily Mail trolling us with these pictures, making ridiculous comments just to get us to engage on their social media. I'm getting sick of it. I'm not buying in. I'm not biting their their hook anymore. And it, it was brilliant what you said, how you uh, explained that Tom Hanks went from here to there. You very occasionally get one who actually starts off at the other end of the spectrum and works their way back to reality. And, of course, when that happens, they come under attack. I'm talking about Russell Brand. Well, I'm not really a fan of Russell Brand. I still think... I don't know if he's controlled. I think he's certainly, I mean, he was Katy Perry's husband and she's, you know, a Disney-controlled, you know, puppet. And uh, I just think, I'm not a fan of Russell Brand. It's, it's just something in it. I've never been, I think, he's maybe, it's, even what he's doing, he still tries to be a truther, but he's not going far. Even, you know, Ricky Gervais and his stuff, coming back to him, he talks, he tries to be, he's attacking woke stuff and all that stuff's good, but he's still has a lot of beliefs like we um, evolved from apes or we went to the moon or you can catch a virus and or AIDS is real and re- there's no reincarnation. These are very Ricky Gervais's beliefs and he puts them out there with, you know, no apology and that's fair enough. Yeah. But I don't necessarily agree with that, you know, so I still appreciate what he's doing and putting his point of view across there, but it's not that progressive, you know. There's other comedians like Cat Williams or people out there who really go for the jugular, you know, um, are, to me, more awake, so to speak. I I, I like the way you think. Um, You know, we're we're talking about people who are basically wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, that's what I would say, Russell Flanders. Yeah, well, some people would say, but have a look at this attack that he's coming under. And you could argue the same because I've heard plenty of people would argue that maybe Donald Trump is a wolf in sheep's clothing as well. And then, again, they would say, but look at what he's going through at the moment. 
But if there is no consequence to any of that and you escape all of that and you, you never end up doing jail or paying a, an immense fine, you can argue that's all part of the, the puppet show. Because when it comes to Donald Trump, and whilst I certainly prefer him to those who he's running against, it's a bit like the duopoly that we have in here in Australia, there in the UK, where you have the the illusion of a choice where there is no real choice. But um, I'll never forget what Donald Trump did with with Operation Warp Speed with the vaccine rollout because, and I, I hate that, and I'll never forget. So it's very interesting what, what you say, and um, it'll be very interesting to keep an eye on Russell Brand moving forward based on that as well. But if you look at the history, if you really know, if you spend time researching things, you don't disbelieve the television and what they're doing because that's all a theatre show. You know, if you look at, uh, Donald Trump's connections to Jabal Lubavitch and basically, you know, the Sabatine Frankists and all the, the how they've infiltrated all these governments. Nobody gets to the position of going to be president without being in the back pocket of the controllers. So Trump was basically there to get all the patriots who would have normally rebelled and they had like Obama for you know a kind of black president. So they needed to change it up and get, get white Donald Trump and he'll issue the vaccine while pacifying all the patriots. And that's exactly what happened. Trump's no hero. He's the one that rolled out this whole thing, and he's the one saying, oh, we're getting, what do you call it, those breathing things, respirators and all that stuff, essentially part of the big kill mission. So I don't buy all this Q stuff and things like that. That's a whole catchment place for conspiracy theories. There's lots of different, you know, where people get caught in different places rather than people have to, it's very hard to find the real truth. There's so much disinformation out there because, yeah, the Hegelian dialectic, they give you both two choices, but they're controlling both sides. And it's thesis, antithesis, that's what's running the world. And there's an agenda at play, and there is no real democracy. It's just they're unrolling what they're doing, and, you know, they are the law. <laughs> Mate, I, I, I like what you say more, more than you might imagine. Uh, just quickly getting back to Ricky Gervais, though, do you think that this is the first, uh, you know, when people sort of get on onto this narrative and he's he's cracked a couple of jokes about immigrants and, you know, you know, people, you know, landing in boats and whatnot. And, but it wasn't much. It wasn't a huge part of the the the, the show. Do you think he's going to do more and more of this moving forward? Because I, I would say once you start getting that genie out of the bottle, there's no putting it back in. Well, he did talk about the immigrants in the Supernatural show, the previous special, and now he's done it again in the Armageddon, a similar kind of bit. I quite like that wee bit. It's good we talk about these things. You know, there's so many things we don't talk about that's complete agenda interface, like adverts. There's always a black man and a white woman, practically every advert these days. Scottish um, Hogmanay show last night, we were singing Old Lang Syne, it was a Scottish band, that, look, look, and then it's got this Asian singer singing Old Lang Syne. Now, fair enough, she had a nice voice or whatever, but we have to understand there's agendas at play and things don't happen by accident. And this diversity, you know, it has a reason for basically flooding countries. The um, Caligari project was talked about where it makes the country weaker when you flood it with immigrants. And if you just say, oh, we're not racist, we're good people, which is, again, part of their tactic to shut us up, you're politically correct or whatever, which, again, Ricky Gervais does confront and fair play to him for that. Yeah. Then the thing will just continue and everyone will be quiet wee mouses. You know, when are we going to take our power back and decide do we want 400 immigrants that are unvetted, all males, you know, in a local town? And if yeah. you're wrong to kind of say, say that's not right, you know, it's um, all controlled, you know, the, the whole movement of people and wars that create all these 
so-called, you know, immigrants and displaced people. That's all part of the control as well. You know, the Syrian war put lots of immigrants into Turkey and then into Germany. Lots of trouble in Germany now. People in boats coming over. It's something we should talk about. But people don't get involved enough in their local governments and their local councils and stuff. They just want somebody else to do it. I've voted that person in. They should do it. These are terrible. The government's bad. But we have to start taking power and get involved in our local councils and taking power back at source, if you yeah. ask me. <laughs> I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's uh, way past the point where we hope we can hope for a saviour. You've got to, you've got to become part of the solution. You can't just hope there will be one. They will present you with things that appear to be just that. But if you are seeing no net result, no change, then it's all part of a of a puppet show. Billy Watson, very much have enjoyed uh, not just talking to you, but your perspective, I think, is absolutely spot on. I think you're a man who questions everything. And as a result, you see far more than most are likely to see. And again, I hope we can do this at some point in the future. Very happy to do so. It's great meeting you and have a great new year. Thank you, everybody. That's Billy Watson. He's a comedian, a poet, an author, podcaster and activist. Look him up on social media and he's a man you definitely want to give a follow. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Debbie Hayton here at TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. I have some exciting news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The UN is demanding Israel and unlawful killings in the occupied West Bank. Ukraine is crying foul, warning it won't be able to pay the salaries and pensions of 12 million people unless the West coughs up more cash for Kyiv. And US House Republicans are now investigating whether President Biden engaged in a conspiracy with his son Hunter to obstruct the House's investigation into allegations of corruption within the first family. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio, free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. The first thing I'm going to do when I finish today is uh, bookmark a couple of videos by that man, Billy Watson, because uh, somebody who thinks the way he thinks, I can imagine as also being a comedian, that his stuff would be uh, highly insightful, intuitive, and absolutely hysterical. And I'm going to check him out uh, a little bit later. And I would invite you to do that as well. We will be talking to Debbie Hayden just in a few minutes. But uh, something that I would like to talk about is that that change in Hollywood. And it was terrific what Billy had to say. How did Tom Hanks get from there to here? And he just went with the crowd. He went with the crowd. The changes were so incremental. He wasn't aware. It's kind of like the society that we live in. You know, you have a look outside, you walk down the street and compare that to, I don't know, 1990, 1980, 1970, if you're old enough to go back that far and were an adult at the time. Uh, very different changes. And we got from there to here in increments. And those who have agendas, they push those agendas on us, uh, despite the fact that they may not be things that we agree with. I, I think the world could be one big happy place and everybody could exist in it. But these these policies, these things that they push are designed to divide. It would be wonderful if they had unity, if they pushed unity, but the mainstream media and the politicians do exactly that. Anybody who has a counter narrative is silenced. Now they have laws to uh, to make sure that they can't say what they want to say 
find. And if they're not going to go after them personally, they'll go after the company, such as X.com, Twitter, action in the EU, absolutely, to get rid of Twitter or X.com from the EU. And, of course, in lockstep with the rest of the world, you know, I, I can't see... I really can't see Twitter X. I, I, I keep calling it Twitter, but it'll always be Twitter. To me, why he changed the name, I don't know. Maybe it was the stigma that went with it. But, I mean, do you see it? I'd love your thoughts in the online chat as well. Do you really see it lasting a year and a half, two years? Elon Musk, he may be the world's richest man. I would say he's not. As uh, per an email I got, some other people are probably far richer than him. But as per ones that we know who are out there in the open, probably is the uh, best-known world's richest man, if you want to say that. And the simple fact is he doesn't know what he's up against. I don't think he knew what he took on, but they'll certainly shut down X.com. It'll be worth nothing at the end, and he will have lost billions and billions. And you could argue, even if he's only operating in one country, yes, you could install a VPN and stream it and get around all of those blocks, but are people going to do that? I hope they do. I hope they will. And what will happen if they do in great numbers? They'll come after you personally. They'll come for a knock on the door and say, I don't care that you got around the country block. You posted on Twitter.com and you're going to jail or something, you know. And whilst that does sound a bit crazy today, look at where we are now. Look at where we were just four years ago and tell me if it's crazy to think that could be the case in another four years. I don't think it is. We're going to get to my next guest. Debbie Hayton is a transgender teacher and journalist who is critical of the Stonewall agenda. She's got a book coming out on Amazon in February named Transsexual Apostate, My Journey Back to Reality. I checked out a few of her stories. She's a writer as well. And also uh, a video, an interview that she did that I found super duper interesting. I'm going to talk to Debbie Hayton about it now. Hey, Debbie, how are you going? I'm fine, thank you. Good to talk to you, Dean. Thank you for joining us. Um, I love that that interview uh, that you did. I won't say who it was because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push out our opposition. But uh, your your views are terrific. They are refreshing. They are rare. And I'm guessing you must come under attack from people in certain communities all the time for saying your truth. Well, you do uh, by saying what you want to say, not what other people want you to say. Uh, you do get into you do get into trouble. I mean, here's this whole transgender thing. I've, I've got a, uh, a sister-in-law in, in the family who is trans, and uh, we, we never talk politics. We never do any of that. You know, it's just it, we all get along. It's terrific. And the point I'm trying to get to is I've never had a political conversation with, with her, and she's probably going to have the opposite political conversation that you and I are going to have. You know, you, for example, uh, say as a transgender person you were born male and that there are two sexes and you don't hear many people say that but it's the truth isn't it there are two sexes and only two sexes and if i wasn't male i wouldn't be i wouldn't be transgender because to be transgender means to be uh, male but to be uh, perceived by other people to be the opposite sex that's what it means and we can only do that by actually real actually going back to what biological sex actually means and what it is uh, too many people have just lost touch with reality. So do, do you actually, so, okay, I mean, obviously that's your belief. I, I'm of the same belief of you. I think that's terrific you come out and say it. At which point did you say, I'm going to come out public? I'm going to go super public with, with this. I mean, I, I know you write articles, um, but was there something that you thought about for a while before you started saying things like that? Well, the thing that really made the change for me was the government's proposal in the UK to introduce, or a government proposal in the UK to actually introduce self-identification of effectively legal sex, which has caused, has caused tremendous, tremendous uproar 
uh, I, I thought at the time that it was problematic. Now, women can see this as a, as a threat to their rights, that uh, if any man can self-declare himself to be a woman, their boundaries are meaningless. It is a threat to the safeguarding of children. If we're telling children that they can choose which sex they want to be, it's a danger to, it's a danger to children. But I, I originally, initially, I saw it as a danger to my rights because it's something quite remarkable to be uh, perceived as the opposite sex. Uh, and you can't expect people to accept that just on your own say so. The, uh, the fact that there were checks and balances, uh, some, 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 uh, attempt at safeguarding and uh, and gatekeeping uh, was what gave the system uh, it, gave, it gave it gave it gave the system credibility and I saw that was going to be swept away and back uh, we're talking seven years ago now I actually saw this happening I thought this is a crazy idea you wouldn't want to do this uh, so I started speaking out and when I started speaking out it was at that time I started getting into trouble for uh, saying things that were not were not on the activist script. Now, I've, I've got to ask, this would be a perfect opportunity to ask, and please, if, I, if I'm too invasive, just tell me, um, what age were you when you realised that you wanted to identify as a woman? I'd love to know, just because here they are telling young children as early as four years of age that, you know, maybe you're not the sex that you think you are. What age, I'll, ask, I'll make it a double-tiered question, what age do you think would be appropriate that somebody is old enough to make that decision for themselves and for that decision to be one that they'll be happy with for the rest of their life? Well, when it comes to any sort of consequences at all, I think this should be something done by adults. So when we're talking about medical treatment, uh, hormone therapy, puberty blockers as they're known, surgery certainly, uh, those things should be restricted to adults. Uh, there's lots of things that are restricted to adults uh, that children can't do. Children cannot get a tattoo for the uh, for this reason that uh, this yeah. is a permanent change to their bodies uh, and the same the, exactly the same uh, same safeguards or stronger should go for should go to these treatments it's probably it's well i wouldn't say probably it's far more profound to uh, go through uh, gender reassignment than it is to have a tattoo it's, that must be i mean quite the experience and again despite having uh, someone who's trans in the family, not a conversation I've ever had. That's why I, I love your frankness. I think it's it's terrific. Some of the articles you've written are absolutely first class as well, and I'll get onto a couple of those later. So being an advocate for your perspective, have you been attacked in, in the mainstream for having that, or do they just try and ignore you, hoping that you'll go away because they don't want to hear what you have to say? Uh, from the uh, from the main activist lobby, the the... The, the, the most of the attacks have come in three, four, five years ago. I think I think they've got the message that I'm not going away, and uh, and I think it, uh, I'm more likely to be ignored these days. But this is something which largely is a result of social media. It's the way that people interact on social media. People can be so rude and uh, objectionable. It's it's beyond belief, really. In real life, I've got to be. I've got to admit, I've had very little uh, pushback or comeback in real life. Uh, when real people are, are involved with real bodies, we tend to treat each other as human beings rather than as almost like as on social media, it's almost like some people are playing a computer game. Yeah, it's a perfect um, thing that you said. I mean, I work in uh, uh, in entertainment, you know, at night I've got an entertainment business and we're out there and we're doing pubs and clubs and whatever. Uh, we had a big New Year's Eve night last night. There would have been three transgender people there. They were the most welcome people there. Two of them were the best singers in the place all night. So receptive. Everyone's so happy. Everyone's so cohesive. It's wonderful. 
But then the government comes along and they push things in, in people's faces and they, they pretend they're trying to help. If anything, they're just doing immense damage to the whole, I, I, is the word movement, it's not really a movement, it's just people being who they want to be. But here's the government making it seem like it's a movement and getting people to arc up and respond when really there was nothing to do than just get out and mingle with people who are going about their own lives and living lives the way they want to. Well, yes, and we often hear this uh, mantra that trans rights are human rights, which is absolutely true because trans people are, are human beings. And when it comes to rights, we don't, we shouldn't be looking for special rights. And as a trans person, I don't look for special rights. I just look at the same rights or as, I look for the same rights that everybody else has got. The right to be served in a shop, the right to go into a bar without being abused. Uh, but those rights I have, uh, in the UK, and I guess I would have exactly the same rights in Australia. Where the governments have gone wrong is trying to legislate for special rights. And that's what uh, the general public has realised what's going on and has decided they, uh, they're not keen on this idea and they shouldn't be keen on this idea. And that's where trans people are coming under pressure now, where we never came under pressure before. I I'd argue that the governments are, actually are not helping trans people. They're causing the problems that we are increasingly facing. Yeah, I would agree. I think one of the biggest, the worst things they could possibly have ever done was allow um, men who have transitioned into women to play against women in sport. You've been very outspoken on that. Well, yes, it's ludicrous, isn't it? Uh, whatever you think about uh, gender transition, what this actually involves, uh, biological males have got an advantage over biological females. And if you, if you look at the uh, analogy, perhaps, of a, of a woman, a biological female, who'd perhaps had testosterone therapy for uh, 10, 20 years as an adult, and then suddenly dropped the testosterone uh, advantage, and then tried to compete in women's sport, you'd say, hang on, this is a doping problem here, we'll not allow this. But we're allow we're sporting bodies are allowing transgender people, people like me, uh, to do exactly that thing. It's totally wrong. Yeah, I, I've seen, I mean, people really are getting up in arms against it. Um, I think it was you again who drew my attention uh, through an article to the fact that there have been uh, teams that have refused to play against other teams that have even a single trans person in the team. There was a, a female pool player who basically resigned the match and walked away to a, a massive round of applause. And again, this isn't them being anti-trans it's simply about that whole thing the the, the physical the physicality the phys physio the physiological aspect of the whole thing and it's as simple as that and if they just could um legislate against that i think a lot of the problem would go away and again something that you've been very outspoken on is just how a labor government you know as opposed to the tories over in the uk could make a, a massive difference to how things go in that whole arena well, yes, there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment in the UK. The, the Tories have been in power for 13 years now, 14 years, and uh, it's unlikely that they'll be re-elected next year. So what will a, what will a Labour government bring? I think they've seen the uh, example of what went wrong in Scotland, uh, where, uh, uh, where the Scottish government tried to push one of these bills, and it led partially at least to the resignation of the First Minister in Scotland. I think uh, the Labour Party have actually seen that and seen that this is a toxic issue, not something they shouldn't be touching. But what worries me, as well as the push for self-ID, it's also this sudden urge to ban this so-called conversion therapy. You know, what is this conversion therapy that uh, suddenly governments across the world are trying to ban? You know, the uh, the idea that uh, 
gay, lesbian, trans people are subjected to uh, electric shock therapies or abusive or coercive therapies just isn't happening. But uh, what could be banned by these are uh, therapies, talking therapies, exploratory therapies for children. And the Labour government, the, well, the Labour Party, who may well become the Labour government, has talked about banning these. And this is almost, this I, I worry is a Trojan horse into uh, preventing children getting the help they need to come to terms with themselves, not be, not, uh, not having to pretend that the opposite sex. So there's a lot of worries about an incoming Labor government. I think you've hit the nail on the head, of course, with the uh, lockstep moves uh, across most Western nations to implement misinformation or disinformation laws, which are, of course, the exact opposite of what they propose to be. That could be the straw that broke the camel's back as far as people trying to do the right thing by the kids. Well, yes, and uh, it's, it's children which are at the centre. Are at the centre. This is my biggest concern in this. Uh, yes, there's been a huge impact on women's rights. Uh, women, uh, I think, are reclaiming those rights and saying no. Five years ago, I'm not sure if uh, the crowd would have, if uh, the female pool player would have walked off, or the crowd would have cheered. Now they do, and if governments don't don't uh, come to their senses, then the voters are going to come to the senses for them. That's clear. But what worries me is the impact on children. I think all this will pass. I think in thirty years' time, we'll look back and think, "What on earth?" was going on at that time. But my worry is that while that was going on, some children will end up permanently damaged. Their bodies will become changed irretrievably for life over something which, quite frankly, was a fantasy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Debbie Hayden, um, hang around. We're going to do a short break, then we'll be back at TNT. Everyone stick around. Of course, you can get on the online chat as well. You can send us an email uh, at dean at tntradio.live. But uh, stick around. Back after this. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
And welcome back. My next, well, I shouldn't say my current guest, I should say, Debbie Hayden has a book coming out. It is called Transsexual Apostate, My Journey Back to Reality. Also writes for The Spectator UK, uh, a wonderful publication in the spec, uh, in the UK, also available here differently uh, in Australia. I would suggest you subscribe to both. I certainly am already subscribed to the Australian one and shall imminently subscribe to the one in the UK. Debbie Hayden, your book, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's partly autobiographical. It's partly uh, a discussion of uh, the transgender movement, and it's also putting together, putting some ideas of my own. Why I think uh, the trans movement was wrong, it was misguided, and uh, it was not helped by uh, governments which uh, were working. I think many in ignorance than malevolence, but isn't that true a lot of time about government? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I would love to ask you just some, some questions in general. How do you find as a trans person, how do you find it living today? I would imagine um, in 2023, the world is a much better place than perhaps it was 10 years ago. There has been a lot of very positive change for the trans community, despite the fact there is that government interference, a bit of division. But overall, I think I think it's probably going well. Well, it is. And in real life, nobody cares. Uh, yeah. I suspect I suspect sometimes I'm clocked as trans, sometimes not. Uh, but even when I'm clocked, nobody nobody really minds. Uh, and uh, if I get any any reaction at all, it's curiosity more than anything else. It's not there's the there's not the attacks on the street. There's not the danger, which is which is sometimes suggested. It's a great place for trans people to live is the UK, as I suspect is Australia, New Zealand, the US, Canada. Yeah, I mean, I think last night, as I said, I was out doing a public event and, I mean, it couldn't have been any more clear. And I don't live in Sydney. I live up on the central coast, you know, um, where there probably aren't that many trans people. And there were three at one event and so well received. And and, and um, I thought it was great just to see just the general acceptance. On You know, it, and I, I don't say that. I, I mean, in a very, what's the word on on I'm trying to use I, I just think it's wonderful i think it's absolutely wonderful the way the world has changed in the last 10 years and everyone just had a terrific night and i've felt so much um uh joy for those people who had the best night of their life because i could imagine just you know years in years gone by it would have been a bit socially awkward possibly in certain venues other venues not not a problem at all but in the central coast just in regular everyday venues just so inclusive so welcoming and a, a good change yeah, it doesn't sound as if those three people were victims anyway. It sounds like they were standing on their own two feet as human Absolutely. beings. And that's the way that it should be. The problem happens when uh, governments, rescuers of all types, come through and say to trans people, look, you are victims and we must rescue you. It's, it doesn't help anybody. It's disempowering and it's unhelpful. And that's what's causing the problem. We're not victims at all. Yeah, it'd be terrific, you know, if some of these young people who they are telling, I think they're telling them that they, you know, are possibly not the same gender that they believe themselves to be or, you know, or vice versa. Um, it would be great to have people like you go and go and talk to them, you know, but um, would they allow that? Would they have the other, the flip side of the coin, the other person with the different narrative allowed to go and talk to these kids? Well, I, I am a teacher, so I do work with children. Uh, but this is something which I don't tend to get involved in. The danger is with children is that you can put ideas in children's heads. I think talking to children should be uh, the preserve of professionals. I'm a teacher. I'm a physics teacher. So my job is to teach them physics, not to help children with their, uh, you know, with, with their gender issues. Yeah. But what I just see is adults telling children that uh, 
they they are transgender and as such the world hates them they're victims they need to be rescued they need to be wrapped wrapped in cotton wool perhaps this is what's unhelpful we should be telling children to find themselves not some identity and grow up to be themselves yeah would you agree i mean um I, I did ask a question, but I, I don't think I got the exact answer. At what age were you when you thought to myself, "Hey, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like a guy"? Um, what, what was it like? Teenage years, preteen? When, when was it? Well, I explained this. I explained this in my book. The first time I realised there was an issue and I, I wanted to be a girl was about three to four years old. And it's one of my earliest memories, and it was an abiding memory through childhood. Now, wanting to be a girl, wanting to be opposite sex, is not the same as being the opposite sex. And that I think we need to be, we need we need to tell children that children who say these things to say you're not the opposite sex at all. Uh, when it came to uh, doing something about it, that was when I was in my forties. It was uh, an issue that got bigger and bigger and bigger within me. And I suspect what actually uh, brought the camels back on it and uh, and led to my transition was uh, was social media and the internet. When you think, when you're coping with an issue, I'd really like to be the opposite sex, but I'm not, but I'll make the best of it. You can. But social media brought me, brought, introduced me to a world where other people were doing something about it. And when they wanted to do something about it, when they could do something about it, I needed to do something about it as well. It was jealousy. It was desperation to do what others were doing. Uh, so I'm aware of the power of the internet. I'm aware of the power of social media. But what's happening now is that children are getting these messages. And uh, I just think if I got the same messages as children, as ch in my childhood, as children are getting now, I would have been desperate to transition. And we need to uh, think carefully about the impact that we as adults are having on children through the internet and through uh, media, which we supply to them. Uh, I don't think society has worked this out properly yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, even for those, you know, who at a very young age, yourself included, who knew that they wanted to be a woman, if you would have gone through puberty blockers at the time, I think according to the information, the literature that I've read, the doctors that I've had on the program, you would probably have some very severe, severe medical problems that you don't have as a result of waiting until after you went through puberty. Would you agree with that? Because the information that I've been given was that uh, if you basically go through these things as a young kid, you've basically, Big Pharma has created a patient for life. Well, yes, and we just don't know what the long-term effects of these of these drugs are. Cross-sex hormones have been given to uh, middle-aged middle-aged people for years, uh, and we can look at the life history of those people, but but not children. Children is different, and to uh, go through uh, not to go through puberty and to be given drugs to simulate the uh, the puberty which your body was not designed for. There's been no long-term studies on that because uh, it's very new. Uh, so who knows? But what I do know is that uh, as well as desperately wanting to be the opposite sex, I also desperately wanted, uh, you know, wanted my own children. I think the, uh, the, the, the desire to have children is something which is instilled in us biologically. If, if it wasn't, we wouldn't be here to ask the question, to ask these questions, I don't think. Uh, so there was only one way I was going to have my own children. And if I transitioned as a child, that wouldn't have happened. And that would have meant my life was far less fulfilled than it ever than it has been. Debbie Hayden, I've absolutely enjoyed chatting with you, but we've run out of time. Uh, everybody, that is Debbie Hayden. Um, thank you, first of all, Debbie. And, thank um, you.
and everybody get on to the spectator website and don't forget you've got a brand new book transsexual apostate uh my journey back to reality check it out uh, you can get her on muckrack.com forward slash Debbie Hayton as well. Thank you, Debbie. And next up, I'm pretty sure we got the wonderful and talented Katie Hopkins coming up here at TNT Radio. Thanks for sticking around. I'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs>